where's where was the Facebook post at? Because I would have been I would if, if that was me, I would have been like, ha 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 in your face. This is Alex with the Hobbytown Hobbyplex here on our usual uh, Monday podcast session. And uh, with me as always, Will Brinton. This is brought to you, of course, by uh, Pivot Lending Group. You can find them at pivotlending.com. And if you mention our show, you get a $500 lending credit or 0.125 off of your interest rate with whatever uh, service uh, you choose for them to provide. And that's been going since January, which is awesome. And it's how we can come to you weekly, even when we have nothing to talk about. Which has been, actually, we haven't really had one where we haven't had anything to talk about. But Yeah, yeah we'll find something. I was going to try to wear my pivot lending hat today, and I can't find it. Mine's in my truck, actually. Got to be at home somewhere, I would think. I don't know. So I just wore this just drab black shirt to begin with. I got my SDRC shirt on when I bought when I was out there. That's a track I need to go to. It's a nice track. It's a good one. If you notice behind me, uh, there's some new shelves and there's kind of a new look. It's, it's the, even the, the microphone's different and uh, everything's kind of different because Webrise.com, who provides our podcasting service and also happens to be owned by my sister, uh, moved. They have a new place. It's in the same building, except that it's way farther away from the old studio. So the other, where they used to be, had this little office space and then another room that turned into the studio. And now, they have a suite and it's got like, um, it's sweet. It's pretty sweet. So it's going to have its own like studio. And then there's this glass window in front of me where they put up all the, what are these called? The mixing the board, boards, the mixing boards and everything. And then mm-hmm. my sister has her own office and then Richard's got his own office and they have this like open seating area over here where they're going to try to set up some sort of like video podcasting area. So nice. they, they've really got this place nice. And um, they just started moving in. Actually, they, they started moving in immediately after we were done last week. And I think, are we officially the, your first one? Yeah, we're the first show to, to uh, be produced inside the new Webrise.com studios. So here's the deal. Listeners, if you've ever had an idea for your own podcast, you really should get a hold of Webrise.com because you don't have to be here. Like we can do it remotely too. You don't have to be in person, although it sounds pretty cool when you're in person, but they can also do remote uh, stuff too and record you and get you out there. So it really is a, just a new, a new segment of media that my sister is taking full advantage of. So that's why we're here. What's the statistic that I heard? I heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but like for the amount of recorded audio that people are producing in podcasts, it would take like 300 years to listen to it all. Yeah. I don't doubt that, especially yeah. now it seems like it's a better way to communicate ideas because you have the, you have the time. It's a lot cheaper that too, but also like for instance, and in the political realm, you have the talking heads on and they, they get maybe 30 seconds to a minute to try and express some sort of idea mm-hmm. where if you have that same person on in a podcast, it can take as long as you want it to. Yeah. The whole, the whole structure of how long a show should be, 
or anything like that or how long somebody would listen or watch something yeah. is completely blown out of the water yeah. on podcasts. Cause I'll listen to a three hour podcast. No problem. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like to listen to Rogan. Um, I also listen to star talk with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I do too. He's got such a soothing voice. Like I could just go to sleep. I watched all of his, uh, all of his videos on, uh, basic astrophysics. Yeah. Him and Bill Nye. I, I pretty much turn on YouTube now before I go to sleep and I'll try to find yeah. something that's long, at least over an hour that I can, I can listen to while I drift off to sleep. And it usually has something to do with, uh, either like a space documentary. I got into like history documentaries there for a little while. Um, airplane documentaries or just like a lecture like Brian Cox or, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Both of those two are uh, super smart guys and they, they're not boring to listen to when they, when they speak. You know how fast you have to throw something for it to leave the atmosphere and go into space? I've heard this before, but I don't remember the number. It's seven miles per second. Oh, yeah. fun, fun fact. Fun fact. You know, um, we had a good week. We had a good week for many reasons. Sometimes when I'm doing these, I kind of brain fart. I have, like, I, I should write stuff down. A lot of times I don't. I forget about it. But this week we had good race days on both Friday and Saturday. We had a lack of any sort of crazy online complaints <laughs> that have been, that have been plaguing day. us for like a month now, uh, you know, at least one a week where you just read it and you're like, what? Like mm-hmm. where? No, come on. No, that didn't happen last week. So I was really happy with that. And then, uh, and then of course we had good racing and again, we were busy in the store still too. So, and finally Will got his carpet car yeah. built. Oh, oh. <laughs> Two fans. The the key to speed on a carpet is three fans. Right. I have one blowing on the the like the um, slipper side, uh-huh. one on the motor, and then one on my speed control. Wow. Yeah. So just to try to keep the the slipper cool. I'm gonna have to really thrash on my stuff because we start. That's one thing I want to talk about today. We start carpet a week after a week after the summer series. And I'm out of my tires. <laughs> and I already ordered my tires uh-huh. for the season. Well, the Plex has like 30 something pairs of twin pins right now on hand. And we've got like 20 something pairs of staggers on the front. And then we've got Proline tires. Swaggers. Up the, up the wazoo. And, uh, and then the Schumacher stuff. Actually, actually Schumacher stuff we don't have as much right now. So. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just order J Concepts tires and just stuff. Right. But I want to talk about that. So I released uh, today Mike Garrison at Boom RC. Got both the Techno Flyer and the Carpet Off-Road Syndicate Flyer done for this fall and nice. winter. So um, I proofread them, and then I went ahead and posted them. So uh, both of the both of the dates have been known for a little while, but the uh, the flyers are always kind of making it official, you know. Plus, they're mm-hmm. easily shared, and and then I got to get them printed off tomorrow and uh, get them posted up around the Plex and stuff. Take the old ones down. I've been neglecting to do that, so. I had a couple of people message me on Facebook asking me about the February race. Mm. Like, no, can't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can't tell you anything about it. You'll find out and everybody else does. Yep. So that'll get us through. So the syndicate gets us through January 2nd. And then the techno series, of course, ends March 13th and it starts November 14th. So that that's your five months of winter right there. I still have yet to get Emerson a truck. Uh, nitro truck. That's going to be so much money. Oh, you sold this nitro truck. No, that thing was, I mean, look, look, I got a, I got a heck of a deal on it. Lathan Raymond sold it to me super cheap. We got our money's worth out of it, but 
I'm going to get him a new car this year. Well, he deserves it. He did good. He wants to do really well. So we're there's a Techno NT48.3 with his name on it at the Plex. Unless somebody else buys it, then I'll just order another one. Yeah. And I kind of ordered that one in. Oh, we got a ProTech engine coming from my main through, through the store. So which, which ProTech engine? Uh, it, it's an Adam Drake broken in Samurai something, something, something. So okay. should be really good. I had one of those in, engines and I kind of struggled with the tune on it. Is either is either like boggin or I had it lean where you jump it and it would lean lean bog in the or not lean bog but it would do this weird like what or it would uh, lean out in the air. Weird. Then I went to OS engines. I thought ProTech engines. I thought the new ones are OS OS based. Well, because there there's that what was that V two engine that OS version two uh, that engine was not great. Uh, but then I think they updated it. Dude, I think there's a version three now. I haven't played with that engine or I don't know. I've been out of nitro for so long, but yeah. the, that, that engine or the V2 engine, like that thing was kind of hard to work on or work with. What's new? We'll talk a little bit about hobby news. There's, there's not any crazy releases uh, this week. We at the store, we got in the team associated Enduro 24, the little 124 scale nice. Enduro. Uh, and then we got in the Outcast 8S. Um, like I thought we would. I thought we'd get them last week, and we did. We have a whole bunch of them. Sold one within like a day, and then the rest of them are just kind of there. So we we got to get them going. We're waiting very patiently for the um, felony to show up uh, for sale, and then uh, it looks like the the Fraction V2s we're not going to get at least until the end of the month, which is coming up soon. Wait a minute. What is today? Monday, the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. So probably. Maybe by the end of the week, actually, now that I think about it, I got lost. I, I keep thinking it's the middle of the month. Oh, you too. I have six days to get uh, my truck up to date plate uh, with up to date plates before I can actually get pulled over for it. <laughs> yeah. Here in the state of Nebraska. Did you see Associated release a new four wheel drive or an update to the B74? Oh, yeah, yeah, that too. Yes, yes, they announced that the, uh, the B74 point, uh, is it one? One. Yeah. Yeah, point one. Cool. Th- fun, um, fa- and- fun fact about that before you get going. Uh, so the uh, team associated uh, Reedy Summer Series, the grand prizes for that are at the store right now, except Ooh. except for two four wheel drive buggies because they're going to be the new car. So the, the updates on that, these are just kind of uh, there's two versions. There's a carpet version and a dirt version. Obviously, the dirt one comes with the stuff that you would run on dirt with the old car, and then the the carpet one comes with the stuff you'd need for carpet. And then I believe, well, I know that the the shock towers are lowered. Right. Um, I think the rear one's five and a half millimeter, and the front one's three. So it's just putting overall more droop in the car. And then they added some different plates instead of that, the carbon laminated on top of the plastic uh, flex plate. The, or a chassis stiffener. They changed some of that stuff. And then it comes with the drive shafts and everything that a lot of guys were changing to. At least the rear. I think it's 66 millimeter drive shafts. Yep. That sounds right. So, yep. So that'll be cool. It's more, it's more like if you're going to race on dirt, you can get a dirt version. You don't have to buy anything else. And if you want a carpet car, you buy a carpet one right. without having to buy anything else. So, yeah. And with that, we lowered our price to $399 on the old cars. We have two left. I probably did that too late. I kind of forgot 
that, that they were getting lowered on a main and stuff. And so we had them at full price until just about last week. So that one's on me. Yeah. That one's my fault. We, uh, we got a whole bunch of tires in off back order from, uh, uh, J concepts. We've actually, we never ran out of 10 scale clay compound tires, but we did run out of eight scale and stadium truck. And we got a whole bunch of those back in now and everything else we've kind of been really good on. We, we, we've been a really far ahead, um, stock wise starting way back in March, we just started loading up on stuff. We had all these twin pins on back order back then mm-hmm. and our carpet season yeah. was coming to an end. And I was like, mm-hmm. we better just take them because you don't know if next yeah. year, next season, they're going to be out again. So that's why we have so many of those in stock too. And most of those have just been kind of sitting there. But now that, now that I wouldn't say carpet season's coming up quick, but it is, it's really, it's only a month and like 14 days away. So six weeks. That's why I want to get my car done. I can run it a couple of times and shake it down. And cause I, I put together a new car for the season. So, yeah, I was trying to think if I wanted to get, get weird and get a new car, like a different brand. Cause you know how lot, the first year I do I did a Yokomo and then the last year I did a low C and yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with an AE car this time around. I can't argue. I had really good luck last season with my car. Yeah. So did you see the big race that went on this weekend? It was the Mugen challenge. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it, but I didn't follow it, honestly. But I've been so busy at work. Tom Rennernecht went to that one. And then um, uh, I think I was looking to see if the Fullers did. I don't think they did at all. But uh, Van Dalen and uh, Jaron Wiggins did awesome again. That's cool. So May- Mayfield won, won it all. But then you had, I think in Buggy, I think it was uh, Mayfield. Ryan Lutz and then Seth Van Dalen top three. And then I think in Truggy, cool. yeah, in Truggy, I think, I think of, I think Wiggins was third or something like that, but I can't remember the podium. So that's pretty cool. Alex seen those guys. It's good to see Ryan Lutz do well too. Yeah. He's been struggling. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys I like to see finish well. He's, he's really nice. He's always uh, like on the ground floor of like brands and building them up, mm-hmm. you know? Did you know Derek Wood went to the Cheyenne shootout? No. Yeah, that's where he was uh, last week. Huh. I didn't know that. I saw some pictures and I was like, oh, Derek's there. So Derek was there running the, the brand. That's why he had the brand new uh, Nitro car a couple weeks ago huh. that he, to- he, he took a picture of. Yeah, I didn't know he was going. Uh, Jared uh, Tebow went to that one and I think he won. He won everything like he's supposed to. Was it out- outdoor? Yeah. Yeah. That's a race I'd like to go to. Actually, at the end of last year, it's techno series race. Emerson and I were, were, he really wants to go to a big nitro race. And I'm like, uh, well, I mean, you know, our season around here kind of is opposite of where a lot of places are where we run more 10 scale, usually on the dirt in the summertime, you know, and then the mm-hmm. wintertime, it kind of changes over to eight scale. And I'm like, I don't know, we might not have a truck or not or a car. And I had planned on, uh, having his stuff all ready to go by, by this, uh, Cheyenne shootout race. And then it just didn't, it just didn't work out because, because of COVID mostly that, you know, the first three months is basically non-existent. So where, where was the Cheyenne shootout? Uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. Okay. yeah stupid. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's only seven hours away, seven or eight hours away. Yeah. Basically like in, instead of going to Denver, you just, you just follow 80, to Cheyenne, I believe is how that works. Yeah. I've never actually been there, but I wanted Me to. Either. 
Can't say I've had a reason to be in Wyoming. Well, it's got some cool. Nope. No, I never have. It's got some cool. Uh, I've been to Devil's Tower, Wyoming. That was pretty neat. Did you see the Devil's Tower? I did. Actually, my mom wanted to go there really bad because uh, we were on vacation to Black Hills and my mom really, 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 really wanted to go to Devil's Tower because of the movie uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was the whole reason why we went because my mom was just, just, she was adamant about my dad to the point of my dad getting all pissed off and being annoyed by it. But he's like, fine, let's go. Cause it was like another two hours or whatever it was from, from there. I'm going to the black Hills this weekend. I know you are. That's awesome. Yeah, it's okay. I'm in the process of putting together the new track. I actually got a lot done last night, a lot more than I thought I was going to get done. So Right after the show's over, I'm going back to, back to the Plex. I'm going to clock in, hop on the tractor, finish what I plan on getting finished, get it all tamped out, and then I gave myself tomorrow. So the track is closed tomorrow. There's no crawling tomorrow or anything. So I got my the whole day tomorrow. So I think what I'm going to do is not only get the track tamped in and get the pipe down uh, for the small track change, but also all that wood that's been on the dirt oval the whole time. I think I'm finally going to get all that done. I might even put the extra, I might even finish off the wall in the back. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm, okay. I've been, I've been slacking. I, cause it doesn't need to be there because we don't have any jumps or anything back there. But if I got the time, you know, I might as well not waste it. And I'm going to try to really clean up too. I get, I'll probably, I got to clean the bathrooms and all the stuff that, that, um, people don't know about cleaning pit lane, cleaning the bathrooms, picking up all the trash, trying to put back all that dirt that all the kids pick at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and throw everywhere. Hate that. Just try to make the place look spiffy. So round it's round four, correct? Or is it round five? It's round four. Four. It's round four. So round four of our summer series is this coming up Saturday, and uh, it does sound like uh, like Trevor Nault um, is coming up from uh, from Oklahoma, and uh, along with the Hutch guys. And then I thought some Colorado people were coming, but I haven't seen anything. I yeah. usually get a text message or something from Zeke. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll come to the, I think they're, they're planning on coming to the one of the last three. So. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Other than that. Oh, I wanted to talk about the outdoor races. So that's the one thing that I think has seen a resurgence this year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Like all these, all these outdoor races, mostly eight scale though are, but they're, they're like, uh, they're getting a lot of participants again, you know? Yeah. Also because there were so many of them too. You can't forget that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, the, the Mugen Challenge had like 480 entries. Is that right? That's a lot. And then you had, I think the shootout, the Cheyenne shootout, I think had 200 something. I saw some stuff from like Cheese City and the Minnesota, City. the Minnesota series. They had a really cool track too. So there was some 10 scale racing outdoors at Minnesota, either this week or last week. And it was a really cool looking track. It almost, I looked at it and I'm like, dude, I would love to race 10 scale on that. And then Joe Law's track, Victory RC, they just had a big 10 scale race on this huge outdoor track and he had a good turnout for that. I don't know. It's kind of cool. No, it's always good. I think that's part of what, um, what this whole thing has brought about is, is like, not to, not to like grassroots or back to your roots. It's kind of cliche, but we get, we got to do what we got to do in order to race. The winner is I'm going to talk about racing this weekend real quick. And then, and then we'll get to some fun stuff. 
So, uh, Trevor had some sort of thing going on, uh, with his family, uh, again. So he wasn't sick. He asked for Friday off Friday and Saturday off on Thursday. <laughs> so, so I had to, I had to fill in and be race director on Friday night and Friday night we had, we had 20, we started off with 22 plex speckers. Three of them went home before the mains. So I knocked it down. So on the, on lever C it shows 18, but we really had uh, 20, 21 or 22. So I had three heats of plex on a Friday night. That's perfect. That's a good night for me. If we get any of the extra ones, like, uh, like say, you know, stock buggy or e-buggy or anything like that, I consider that a bonus. But as long as we have two or three heats of plex spec or more, then Friday night has been a success. So that was a good night. That was a good way to start the weekend. And then I'd count the drawer. I had to take the deposit into the bank Friday night. And then I realized that we were out of bags. So I went to go to the bank to get to pick up the, uh, to pick up the bags. And the line was like out of the parking lot. And I'm like, crap, I'm already late. I'm not going to sit here and wait for an hour. So I just said to heck with it. So when I pulled up to the Plex, the parking lot was full. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm already half hour late and the parking lot's full. I like, I better get in there and get the computer hooked up and everything. So I knew it was going to be a good day. Yeah. So we had 60 entries and we had uh, 10 heats. Once again, 13.5 wheeler was the biggest class. There was, uh, I think, 14 of them. I think independent buggy had 12. So I split the mains up six and six with two bump ups. But dude, uh, we had a, it was really good racing. Like Saturday was a very, very positive day. Like it was just, everybody was in good mood and the track was really good. Even though I had wanted to change it the week before it didn't happen. It was still really good. The track was actually pretty fast. So it was just, really a really positive day. I was just pleased, very pleased. So if you look at uh, the 13.5 B main, so TJ Williams and uh, Ronnie went made the bump up from there. So TJ making the bump leading the race. He's been getting better. And then I ran four wheel drive mod uh, in between the B mains because everybody that was in the 13.5 B main in, in four wheel drive was also in the independent buggy B main. Oh, <laughs> You know, obviously you can't marshal back to back, right? So I put, uh, I put four wheel drive mod first, uh, in, in between them. And, uh, in this one, Aiden Olson was your TQ and, uh, he ended up winning it. His car was really fast and strong all day. Mitchell Pavel led like half of, half of the qualifier in both round one and two. He's just got to stop crashing because he's got the lap times now. He just, yeah, inconsistent, uh, more than anything. He finished second. Brian Cox finished third. Vanderbeek kind of blew out with about a minute left to go. His car was very grumpy all day. He wasn't having fun with this four wheel drive. So instead of uh, obliterating it or something like that, he just, just kind of crashed out and pulled off. And then Logan Prismanis was there. Logan hasn't raced on the clock in years. They've had practice passes for the last three or four years, but, but Logan and his dad, uh, Jason, they, they haven't actually raced raced in a long time. so it was cool to see logan there he had a he actually had a fast car he's got a 22x4 that he bought from us by the way so just like you're supposed to uh he did really good for his first time out there 1504 in the main i mean that's not terrible you know the b main of that independent buggy was uh tj and then sam saunders 
So Sam Saunders has been a Friday night kid and he finally, um, not finally, cause I think they've raced on Saturday before, but him and his dad came out. Sam's gotten also very good. So on Friday night in stock buggy, he's usually given Jackson a scare every once in a while in, in this Friday, oh, really? yeah, the Friday night stock buggy. So, hmm. um, so he did really good. Um, him and TJ, two youngsters just beat out Jana Peevler and Ronnie went and then, uh, Brian Damewood and David Golick were back there. So if you move on, we had, uh, Plex spec. We had uh, five plexers to add on to our total for the, for the week. So it was almost 30 entries for Plex spec and uh, Brady Papanow won this one again. Uh, with the short course truck, Jason McCormick got second Caden Hutchins brand new. He's one of uh, Logan's friends he raced with a, with a Typhon. Oh yeah. And I'm very proud of him because he actually called it a Typhon. He didn't call it a Typhoon. Then it was Dan Noonan and then Kobe McCormick, um, the youngest of the McCormick family there. Stock truck. We actually had six stock trucks on Saturday. So that's really good. That's the most we've had in a club race for a while. This one was a doozy. There was four of them. Chance, Ashley, TJ, and Gage Noonan. They had gotten away from, uh, from Derek Noonan and David Golick. And they were battling back and forth. And then finally, Chance kind of got the lead. And then TJ Williams finished second, just ahead of Ashley McCormick. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a good race. And then Gage was right there behind him. So the time was Chance with a 618, TJ with a 622, Ashley with a 622.8, and Gage with a 623.0. Pretty close. Yeah, very close. 13.5 four-wheel drive. So Ken Peterson came up with Tony Leatherman to get some extra practice in track time in. Cause they don't have a track right now either. Yeah. They have a, they have Emory, which is a big outdoor eight scale track, but they don't have a 10 scale track. So they decided to come up and get some extra track time. And I don't think Tony was very happy with his performance uh, or his car last round of the summer series. So I know he wanted to get some extra time. They're actually there on Friday, but because we didn't have any class form, they just kind of practiced in between the rounds. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so Ken Peterson won this one. Uh, it was close for a little while early. In fact, I believe there was a big melee uh, through the five pack one more time because that five pack is going to be gone now. And then Nick Pavel was second. Chance Rolk was third. Uh, David Peevler was fourth. Then it was Orlando Martinez came up from KC. And then TJ Williams got sixth. So TJ had a really good day. Ronnie Went got seventh. Both of those were bump ups. Rod Case, Joe Schnoes, and Tyler Brinkerhoff kind of kind of slipped back a little bit from their qualifying. But that kind of capped off TJ's day. He was, uh, well, not really because he's going to be up in the independent buggy main too, but um, that was uh, another good one for, for him. In mod buggy, this one was, was a doozy. Alex Vanderbeek was your TQ by one second over me. My stuff was working really good. And yeah. it's all tires. Same car as last week. Just, just I, put, I finally built some new tires, getting broken in for, for this coming Saturday. And my car was really good. And, uh, it showed two really good qualifiers. Didn't struggle or nothing at the main. I bobbled right away through the five pack. Cause that's what I do. And, uh, Aiden Olson got underneath me. We came up over the step up. And when we landed, what I like to do when I land is I land that. And then I gun it a little bit and I wrap around the corner at, at speed. Right. Well, I was kind of expecting Aiden to do the same thing and he didn't. So I ran right in the back of Aiden, took us both out. So he and I were ninth and 10th halfway through the first lap. So from that point on, it was the, uh, the Vanderbeeks up front. So Mac also had a pretty good car and uh, he chased down Alex and uh, took the lead. And then they battled a little bit and 
I finally, um, I, I worked my way through to get up to third and I could see him and I knew I was, I still had a shot if they started, you know, doing what fathers and sons do, which is take each other out all the time. And they did it once and I got closer. And then I think they were like, Oh, Alex is coming. We better stop screwing around. And, uh, uh, Mac actually jumped over the top of Alex over the finish line and won the race. Mac did. Uh huh. Yeah. That's fast. That is. And I want to know where's the Facebook post, dude. Like you won, you won yeah. a club race with your kid there. Where's, where was the Facebook post at? Cause I would have been, I would, if, if that was me, I would have been like, ha 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 in your face everywhere. I would have told the world, not that it mattered that much, but it still would have been funny. I'd have rubbed it in like crazy. Yeah. I've been rubbing it in. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I got third. Uh, so it was, it was uh, Mac, Alex, me, and then Leatherman also, um, had a decent main. Um, he was up there. I know he, he hated the five pack so much that he's going to be happy. It's gone. Um, yeah. he, he crashed there, uh, right in the middle of that race. And I heard it and he's like, he's like, I hate that section. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I know, I'm sorry. And then it was Mitchell Pavel, Ken Peterson, Brent Cox, James Nelson, and then Aiden Olson, uh, actually blew up his motor. What? Hey, how, how do you blow up a motor? Have you ever listened to his car? It's too uh, real. Yes. It sounds atrocious. Yeah. And I'm like, why does your car sound so bad? And he's always been like, well, it's just the motor. So I think that motor that he was running finally, uh, finally gave up, had said, okay. I had on. a loud car one time. I, I, it was a B4. My car was like really loud. And I, I just thought that it was just the rear motor transmission or mm-hmm. something, but I had a motor with a bad bearing in it. Yeah. And I changed the motor. I have, I've fine. had a loud motor before. My, uh, one of my McLaren seven fives, uh, was loud. And when yeah. I changed it over to a seven Oh, a new motor and it was all of a sudden the car was quiet again. It's not that often you hear about a motor blowing up in a brushless brushless car. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It actually, he showed it to me at uh, the wires came unsoldered. So, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. You done blow it up. Done blew it up. So expert stocks, we had expert stock and independent buggy again. Expert was, uh, Ashton McCormick and chance Rolk, And they had a down to the wire type of race that I wish I would have videoed. Uh, but my phone was at like 4%. So I couldn't video any of the mains this week and my charger Uh-oh. was upstairs and I actually went to go get it before the main started my charger. And then what happened was what always happens when I go upstairs and I'm not working, I get dragged into working, which yeah. I'm not complaining about, but it happened to be a, uh, a cashback guy. Uh-oh. And so I kind of hung out and, and, and waited until that blew over. It was over a $10 toy. Oh, really? So, you know, cause I, I mean, I technically, when Tim's not there, I'm, I guess I'm store manager, you know, so head cheese. Yeah. I'm head, head cheese. So, uh, so I just wanted to, you know, I was staying up there to make sure that, that it was cool and everything. And he ended up getting taken care of. He, he, he at first he wanted his money back and then he was like, well, I'm just going to stop payment on my credit card. And we're like, well, I mean, you can try that and that never works, but you know, whatever it's $10. And then, they're like, why don't you just get another one? And he was like, yeah, I'll just get another one. So he got one that worked and then everything was fine. Hmm. So, That's cool. The old chargeback scenario. Yeah. So, uh, so I wasn't able to video any of these, but I should have, because this was a very close race. Um, Orlando was in this mix. Uh, David Peebler was in this mix. Brian, Brian Cox was in this mix. So the top five had kind of broken away uh, halfway through the race. And then it kind of came down to the four and then it came down to the three and then Ashley. So the time was 15 at 
to Chance Rolks 15 at 603.9. So five tenths of a second. Nice. Um, Orlando uh, finished third from the sixth spot. David Peebler fell back to fourth. Uh, Brian Cox was fifth. Easton McCormick was sixth. And then it was Rob Connor. And then Phil Palmer, because I had to do something because we were going to have too many people marshalling and racing back to back. So I put expert right before independent and Phil was running both. So he decided not to mm-hmm. run expert and just run independent. So yeah, kind of felt bad, but, um, it's just, sometimes you gotta, you gotta arrange everything the way that it's gotta be arranged, you know? Right. And then an independent buggy, uh, Tyler Brinkerhoff kind of drove away with this one. Easton McCormick, uh, finished second. Uh, he was never really that close to Tyler, but check mm-hmm. this out. Sam Saunders, that kid I was telling you about from the B main finished third. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. Joe Snows finished fourth, Phil Palmer fifth, TJ finished sixth, Derek finished seventh, and then Gage Noonan finished eighth. I don't know what it is about the Noonans, but Derek and Gage are always right next to each other. It's kind of like the Bairdings. Like John and, and Caden are always qualifying and finishing right next to one another, too. It's kind of like that with those two. It's kind of funny. That was it. It seems short. We started racing at 1.30, and we were done right at 7 p.m. So it was, it was a good, solid day. It was beautiful out. Yeah, it was. Not really beautiful out. It was freaking hot. What am I saying? Well, it was nice and hot, I guess. But it You're wasn't. It wasn't room. hot. It didn't feel hot in the building. I marshaled. I wasn't. Was the driver stand hot? Driver stand. Was t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, driver stand was hot. <laughs> yeah, but still, we get sixty entries on a club race. Man, you think that hot driver stand would be such a deterrent? But it's not. Huh. Do you remember uh, something I wanted to bring up? Cause I was thinking about this while I was driving back to, uh, to Lincoln last week. Do you remember the, the road trip back from, uh, one of the leisure hours races where we almost got killed? Oh yeah. <laughs> Just like it was a few years ago. You want to tell that story or were you asleep? I was sleeping in the back seat because I left your house and went straight to work. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Cause we got to your house at five 30 in the morning and so then I drove from your house to work and just slept in my truck for another yeah. half hour and then went to work. But, but no, I was definitely woken. <laughs> so it was, it was you, me and, uh, or you, Scott Riggs and I, Yeah. and we were driving back from leisure hours in 2011. Yeah. I think it was that race. Yeah. And I don't remember how far we were or anything like that, but there, I was, I was asleep in the backseat or at least trying to, I think I was, cause I'm back then I was a lot thinner and I was also, uh, I'm also not very tall, so I can find places to sleep fairly easily. Weren't, didn't both of you guys also, uh, incessantly make fun of the music I was listening to on my CDs? Oh, we probably did. It was really funny. I'm sure it's probably just to give you a hard time. Well, it, it, the, the, I think the gist of the joke was that how can I keep, how can I keep listening to the same thing over and over and over again? Cause I had one CD uh, in the car and it was like a seven hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you listening to talk radio. Oh yeah. I like to do that too. So I'm laying, laying asleep in the back seat, and all of a sudden I hear Scott and Alex in the front seat screaming and I've like hooked my head up and I see headlights like whiz bat past our car. Like, like if you like stuck your head out, you could have like, or stuck your hand out, you could have slapped this car. Yeah. 
It was like it was that it was a it was a mirror break. It was the scariest thing I've 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 dealt with on the interstate ever in my life, and I've I've driven through freaking snowstorms, ice storms, fog, everything. There was a car doing a good buck twenty going the wrong way down the interstate. Yep, in the middle of the night, right at us. And if I I feel like if if I didn't pick up on it as early as I did, that he was on the wrong side of the interstate. We might have we might have been in trouble there. Oh, we'd have been killed, and I at least I would have been because I have my seatbelt on or nothing. Yeah, that's true. But I saw him. I mean, I you know it's it was a uh, it was six eighty between Interstate eighty and Omaha, so it was a very mm-hmm. very quiet, especially at that time of the night or morning, I guess. But it was it was just nobody else was out there, and all of a sudden I see this this these headlights, and I'm like, is that guy on the wrong side of the road? And I'm like. Oh no, he is on the wrong side of the road. And I pulled all the way over to the shoulder. Yeah. They were like aiming for us. I well, think. And I think what happens is I think I've either heard or read this before that drunk drivers often, if they see, if they see a car in front of them, like with their headlights on like that, like their brain goes towards the light basically, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if you, if you take your eyes off the road and you think your hands are going straight mm-hmm. and you turn to look this way and you're like looking at something, you'll, your, your subconscious will automatically like yeah. draw you towards where you're looking big time. So it probably has to do something like that. I do that. And it gets worse. Uh, the older I get, I always keep my hands on the wheel. Yeah. We almost died. Yeah. Uh, you called nine one one and reported it. And that was the last we heard about it. Figured out what happened. That was a weird one. And then, Another time on a way to a race, I, uh, I got pulled over for doing 85 and a 60 on highway 75 South. Cause I wanted to show my wife where I used to live in Kansas mm-hmm. and I was coming up over this hill and, uh, two state troopers were behind this truck and I was like, Oh crap. And the worst part was, was I had borrowed my, my mom's car. Yeah. So I got pulled over and I was actually wearing the same jeans, same pair of jeans as the night before. And the night before we had gone to big John's billiards to play pool. And what you do is uh, to get your billiard balls, you have to hand over your driver's license. So I got my driver's license back, put them in my wallet, put them in my pants, went home, got up really early the next morning took off to go to this race. We knew we were going to divert to Valley Falls, Kansas, and I was going to take the scenic route. I get pulled over. I reach in to grab my wallet and I pull out the driver's license and it's not my driver's license. (laughs) It was somebody else's from the night before that had also played pool and gotten the wrong driver's license as well, probably. And so I'm sitting there going, Oh crap, this isn't me. And I'm like, what do I do? And Gretchen's like, I don't know. What do you do? And I'm like, I, I mean, I got to show him something. And so, uh, the, the cop comes over and he's not nice at all. Cause I was doing 85 in the 60 zone. And, uh, I go, sir, um, I normally have my driver's license, but I don't have it this time. I have another person's. And what happened was I tried to tell him the story and he took the driver's license and he took the registration. And here's the thing. My mom got remarried, right? So her last mm-hmm. name was McKenzie, not Sturgeon. So not only oh. did I have somebody else's driver's license, I also had somebody else's car, my mom's car yes. with a different last name. So all these things were bad. This was all bad. Finally, he came up and got me and I had, took me to the, uh, took me to the, uh, um, 
to the car and he started interrogating me again. And I, I think he was trying to trip me up because he goes, all right, tell me again how you got this person's pants. And I was like, what? I don't get this person's pants. I told you, I said, I, and I told him the exact same story again. So then it was believable. And then I heard over the thing that there was a negative, negative something number. So it was probably like a missing person or something like that. Right. And mm-hmm. so I ended up getting a ticket and a uh, big ticket for doing that. And that was that, but yeah, that was bad. Never, never, never have somebody else's driver's license in your pocket. I thought I was going to be <laughs> in big trouble for that. Yeah. One. Luckily the race weekend, I think won't really, it was a race in Chile, Chile coffee, Missouri. That we oh, did. Okay. So it's probably really good. Didn't something else happen with Kyle once where we were all in the truck and, and we almost went off the highway or something like that. Wasn't it like an ice storm? Yeah. We've driven in a lot of ice storms. Oh man. But I can't remember what happened when we were with him. Yeah. We we're coming back from leisure hours again. I know yeah. that. Yeah, I know. And I guarantee I was asleep. Well, I think he was mad that we were all sleeping. Oh, really? Wasn't he mad at us? Cause we were all, we all just slept and he drove <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think so. I offered to drive. He didn't, yeah. he didn't want anybody else to drive. He's fine. Oh, okay. Um, he was just really tired. I know that. Like he, we he, stopped and got Casey's. I know that I got Casey's pizza. I don't remember anything that happened. Oh, I, oh, one more. I was driving, uh, I was driving back from uh, Kansas city regionals, I think. And, uh, there was a solar eclipse that, that night it was a Sunday and there was a solar eclipse and it was really low on the horizon. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, but Emerson was like super tired. So he, uh, he fell asleep and I thought that everything was cool. So I turned on, I turned, I turned on one of my CDs, one of my mixed CDs and it had dark side of the moon. No, it had a rage against the machine song. Was it the one from Tony Hawk pro skater? No, it wasn't that one, but this was the one where, um, at the end they cuss a lot. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, so I'm jamming out to that and I think my son's asleep and I get to that part and then I'm like screaming it because I'm all like, you know, like, yeah, this is blah, blah, blah. And, uh, Emerson pokes his head up in between the seats. He goes, you know, I'm awake, right? <laughs> 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 that was back when we actually cared about what we said in front of him. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a moment here and, uh, hear from our sponsor pivot landing group. And uh, while we're doing that, I'm going to prepare my new drink for tonight. I got a new drink. I'm not going to do a kickstart. And now a word from our sponsors. Yeah! This is a Pivot Lending Update with David Olson and Don Zoller. Get some. Hi, this is David Olson with Pivot Lending. And with me today is Don Zoller. And we just wanted to give everybody uh, listening the backstory on Pivot Lending and maybe what separates us from our competitors in the marketplace. Uh, Pivot Lending, uh, we're going on our 20th year and we're a mortgage banking company. We're different in a few ways that we have divisions of subservicing, divisions of third-party origination. We have a marketing team in one division. We also have business development. We work business to business whether it's with a community bank or a credit union. We also uh, work the retail side of the spectrum. So we're working with a lot of realtors. We're working with a lot of builders. There's a number of different ways that our organization has diversified. 
as opposed to a standard mortgage banking company that's just generating a mortgage to the market and to sell it or potentially service it. We internally underwrite all of our loans in-house. We have five underwriters. We're big enough to play in the larger spaces, but small enough to be a boutique operation. We've got about 100 employees right now. We are in California, Arizona. We have offices also in Wichita. We're in Kansas City, Omaha, Colorado, inside Colorado, we're in Denver, Boulder, and opening up in Colorado Springs. We're kind of excited and growing. We're moving into the uh, New England market uh, with a, a big partnership that also is a serve mortgage service provider to 234 different credit unions in the New England states. So uh, a lot of things happening and having Dawn locally is, is, a, is a huge advantage for everybody in the RC community. I know that uh, not only myself, but the owner of the company, Brian Ottaviano, he's a hobby fan. He flew uh, quite a few remote control airplanes and loves that piece of it. He also follows Aiden, my son's racing. And so it's, it's, it's great to be able to weave in the hobby into what we're doing and to be able to get back to the hobby because of the, the things it represents. I think are similar to things that we represent. David Olson, NMLS 16099. Don Zoller, NMLS 277589. Pivot Lending, NMLS 109995. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. All right. So what I have here, this is a, I, I had a craving for something different. And so I have a, uh, I have a Highland chocolate milk. And it doesn't make a sound at all. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. Let's see what it sounds like. Oh, it made a sound. That's not the same at all. Tastes good though. It's a splash of fresh flavor. God, I hate milk. It's like one of my... Really? Dude, I yeah. love milk. That first one milk. actually sounded like a cow. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. It's a little warm, though. Not my favorite. It's yeah. got to be cold. <laughs> milk was a bad choice. Milk was a bad choice. That's what we said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> From Anchorman. Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking polar seltzer water that I got from... Costco on Sunday. Costco, huh? Yeah, that's where Gretchen yeah. gets her uh, uh, sparkling water from too. I had to go to Costco with her today. I love Costco. Yeah, it's like Dude, my I want to. I want to. I want to fight somebody when I'm in our Costco. It's oh, really? it's just like Walmart. It's it's everybody's in a hurry. If you stop, you're like in the way, and everybody gets all ticked off at you. I don't know. Just got a weird vibe from Costco today. Yeah, these are good though. Sparkling. I got lost. So I stopped. Like I stopped, I had the cart. I was on cart duty. Right. And I, I, I lost Gretchen. So I stopped cause I'm like, ah, she'll find me. So I'm sitting there. And while I'm sitting there, this like old couple comes up right beside me. And instead of just asking me to politely move the, the lady was just like, gay hey, to her husband. She's like, grab that box right next to that guy's head. 
And I was like, I looked over, I'm like, with my mask on, I'm like, I'm like, do, do you want me to move? And she was like, she's like, looked at me, made eye contact, and then goes to her husband again, right there, right beside that man. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to move then. And then I moved. I'm like, you could have just asked me to get out of the way and I would have done it. But instead you just basically ignored me and wanted your husband to reach over my cart and grab this stuff. What was the thing? What was the thing they wanted? Was it stupid? It was, really it stupid. was like a 50 pack of potato chips or something like that. I don't know. I was Gotta standing. Have those. I was standing right there. I, one thing I used to do in Costco is I would uh, find like a, uh, a senator that wrote a book or a ex-president that wrote a book and read the, like the title, like the, what is it called? The, the prologue or whatever. Oh. Or what I'd read it out loud in a condescending, annoying <laughs> voice and try to see how many red hats I could get to look at me. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, but it was really funny. <laughs> There's a bit that I want to do, but it I'm I'm almost too embarrassed to do it. I think it's a Tom Segura bit where he's like <laughs> he's he like yells really loud, honey, honey, get a smaller zucchini this time. And, and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've just been—I've been too chicken to try it. Plus, it's yeah. not original; it's just copying, anyway. So, whatever. Yeah, everybody copies everybody, anyways. Though I've never had an original thought in my life. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. Do you have one? You want to get some questions? Uh, John Burkholtz, uh, on the shelf behind you is the white vehicle, a Jeep Cherokee. Would that fit on my Stampede Four by Four? Maybe. Uh, Stampede four by fours, you should be able to get the heightened body mount kits. The only thing I was, I'd be worried about is the, uh, the width of it. It's, um, it's not a skinny, it's not skinny. So your wheels would probably hit. And this one is specifically meant to go over this, um, SCX 10, three rock crawler. So you could probably make it fit. You just have to get creative with your body mounts and your, and your cutouts. So I bet you could find a Jeep body to fit on there though. Yeah. There's uh Proline makes a Jeep gladiator body that's skinny enough that it should fit. Uh, quite nicely on a stampede actually, but the, the Cherokees and the, and the Wranglers, uh, they're all kind of meant for crawlers. So, uh, you'll, you'll have to get kind of creative with it, I guess. Yeah. If there aren't the bodies like a harder plastic. Yeah. They're a little bit harder plastic too. So yep. yeah. Steve wall on one of our posts is, can you make some sort of jump, jump over where you could potentially be jumped over? Uh, like a figure eight with a jump over in the middle. That would be fun. We've done that before. We had a crossover. It was cool, man. And um, crossover is pretty neat. That, that track layout was, was uh, that track layout got its use. We were able to use that crossover all season. And uh, yeah, um, we had probably four or five different track layouts utilizing the crossover. I think it was pretty neat. You just, you, you just like sit, if you like to watch your car fly, like super far and long and pretty high in the air, that was your jump. Yeah. Was, like we were, we were running our, our four wheel drives off that thing and nearly landing into the corner. Yeah. Like what was it? Like probably 40 feet away. It was like yeah. a third of the track. So the thing about crossovers, so I'm going to give an example. Hopefully it doesn't offend anybody out there who's, who, who liked the track or whatever, but there was that crossover at one of those, um, big nitro events like the AMS and the Southern Nats and stuff a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one was 
was, I think they, what they tried to do was what I tried to do was a lot of times you'll see crossovers where they're, they're, they're kicking you really high in the air in order to make the, the clearance. Right. Yeah. The only problem with that is, is, is what I fear as a race director, you know, manager of our store or whatever is I don't want to see anybody get hit in the face or anything by a car. Yeah. So you risk by doing it that way is what you risk is somebody getting whacked by a car that they don't see coming when they're marshalling another car. I'm not really worried about the cars going underneath. I'm more worried about the people that have to marshal these cars. So that's, that's always been my one, why I was so leery to even attempt to cross over there um, for a while. So when I decided I wanted to finally do one, my idea was to make it at most like waist high. So if you do get hit by a car, you know, trying to marshal somebody, you're not going to get it in, in, in the face, at least hopefully you'll get it, you know, kind of midsection unless you're a little small kid. And then I had to make it in a way that had just a slight tilt so that when your car did launch off of it, you got the clearance needed. And then in order to make it so that you got the clearance needed and to dig out the landing so that it was way lower than the takeoff. And I think doing it that way was awesome. And on top of that, it was an angle that it was fully visible. That's the other problem. Yeah. That's the only other problem with crossovers. You have to watch the angle. If it's in a bad angle, your car can disappear for a second. And our driver stands tall enough that we don't really have to worry. That's true. About. Yeah, that is true. But that worked out. I'd like to do that again, but it's got to be the right track layout because that track layout that I had, you know, I think what a lot of people don't know is that I have, or maybe I've talked about on here, but I have a book full of track layouts and, um, you know, I'll stew over layout for a year or more sometimes before I finally try to put it in. And I usually do that, especially do that when I know I'm going to get a big one, when we're going to have a big race. So yeah, it's race in February. I already have the layout sketched out. I kind of know what I'm going to do, but you know, it might change a little bit before then. Uh, the 2016 Nats, I sketched that out as soon as I knew we were going to get the race, you know, a year earlier and, you know, tinkered with it. And then when you finally put it in there, turned out that what I wanted to do wasn't going to work because of the visibility was going to suck. Um, so I had to pull an audible and change it a little bit. You know, sometimes what you put on paper doesn't translate to what's on the track. Yeah. The other thing about that layout was, and I posted it on Facebook actually linked to, um, one of the videos I have of that track. That was my prove Aaron Waldron wrong track. So Remember, remember when uh, Waldron was working for LiveRC and he had this like list of things that tracks should not do. One of them mm-hmm. was, one of them is a front straightaway, which, which only, I think, I think he's right to an extent. If you, if you have a really tiny track and your driver's stand is butted up right up against the track, then yeah, front straightaways are tough because you, you're, you're watching your car go, go away, you know, so fast. Right. Yeah. But a track like ours where our driver's stand is high, but it's also back away from the track. Front straightaways are fine. There's no reason not to, not to build one. Mm-hmm. But another one of those things was, uh, was, a was no crossovers. And I was like, I bet you I could do a crossover. That would be fine. You know? Yeah. So and we never had any issues that I can remember on it. Nope. Never did. I definitely changed it before eight scale season. Yeah. Cause there's one thing to get hit by a 10 scale car. It's another thing to get hit by an eight scale. Right. So. Yeah, that thing would have been like Widow's Peak or something or the Widowmaker. Yeah, that would have hurt really bad. So, so Josh McMullen, he's got a good one here. So with tire sauce being allowed for carpet racing, but it's only SXT light. So 
you know, nobody get your panties in a wad. It's a very safe uh, tire sauce. Plus it's odorless with tire sauce being allowed uh, for carpet racing. Uh, would that make a certain class more beneficial for running slicks with sauce over pins? Nope. Nope. Not one. I bit. tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Definitely not. Maybe stadium truck, but I don't know. Yeah. Now, now that we depends on if you got the right slicks. Yeah. Now that we've allowed pins though, I don't see any advantage of slicks over pins. Cause there's even guys that they tried to run slicks at the beginning of the year. Cause that's what they had. And they want to buy new tires. Mm-hmm. Their cars look horrible. I don't, I don't know why it's like, dude, I like, like my car was always just like hooked up. I was like, did you goop them or anything? He said, no. Or he said, yes. I said, really? Huh? Yeah. And so my thought was, is that like, since the pin tire is kind of like pulling up the, the fibers and like opening up the, the surface of the carpet, mm-hmm. but there's nothing, it's just like moving around on a bunch of loose fuzz or not like not fuzz, but like loose rubber bands type, type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, instead of like, you know, we would have slicks there, like where it all just kind of gets mo- woven over the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a groove, but, um, at least that's my opinion. So it's like, you know, if, if we're running pin tires, the, I mean, a pin's going to be better than anything else. Yep. I think the days of running slicks on carpet now that, we, now that we have the black carpet, I think those are long gone. Yeah, I do too. Jackson Anderson, is there a way to break in tires without driving your car on the track? Right, just scotch bright and some heat and tire sauce. Why would you not want to run your car on the track at least once, though? Well, he was texting me. He said he's not going to be there until like the second round or something on Saturday. Oh. He's not going to be there the night before because he has football or something. Oh. I was like, didn't all that get canceled? Not in Bennington. Mm. Emerson's going to school. Yeah. So what'd you say? Scotch bright and, uh, right. It's like scotch bright and a heat gun and nice. you get sauce into them. You, you know, you just kind of knock off that leading edge. All right. So here's a philosophical one. This is from, uh, Philip, uh, Hoke. Uh, what are some thoughts on how 10 scale offered racing has slowly migrated to an all out tire game? Uh, he remembers when he could throw on some simple green, uh, washed barcodes and they were dialed. Not an indoor. Yeah. I, I don't know about that one. Even back in the day, tires were still the name of the game. I'm talking, I'm talking nineties even like, yeah, I, I've said this for, well, a friend of ours always used to say this in go-kart racing from when I was a kid. And he said, he always said, we quit racing go-karts 20 years ago and started racing tires. He yeah. said, it's all about tires. And that was then if you don't want to work on tires or if you don't like, if you don't like that part of it, you're, you're going to have a hard time racing anything. But see, here's, here's my thing. So, uh, for instance, so this Saturday, my my stuff was really good. Okay. All Mm -hmm. I did was I mounted up a new set of, of gold ellipses front and rear. I, uh, I put tire sauce on them. I let them sit until they almost dried up. And then I, I don't have tire heaters. So I just use my heat gun, warm my tire up, put sauce on it again, went out and ran it. For practice mm-hmm. and then came back in, put tires on again and went out and ran it one more time. And then uh, once I started hearing the lap times go in 22s, 22s, I'm like, okay, I think these tires are pretty good. And then they just got progressively better as the day went on. I don't, yeah. I don't think at least at our track, I know that there's some people who struggle with traction still, but, but for me personally, I don't 
think it's that much of a tire game anymore as it is just a matter of tire prep. I don't, I wouldn't call it a game because we yeah. all, we're all running clay compound tires now. There's no, there's no other, I mean, I guess you could count aquas and whatever if you wanted to get them to work, but there's that aspect of it. And then here's the other thing before I let you come back in, but you guys, you younger people like this, you've got it super lucky if all you have to worry about right now are tires. Okay. Yeah. Because when I was running and I was your age, not only did I have to worry about tires, but I had to worry about batteries, making sure my batteries were, were, if I went to a big race, making sure they were new, making sure that they had the best numbers on them, making sure that, uh, I had a, I had a calm lathe, making sure that my stock motors were totally, uh, totally seated and broken in and had the, the brushes lined up just perfect. And, and then you had to take that motor out and you had to cut that calm every third run or whatever it is, take an exacto blade and, you know, put it between the things and, and make sure that you, you know, rub off the edges of the, I mean, you had to do all this other stuff and still worry about tires. And now yeah. all, all we got to do is worry about tires. Our batteries are the bomb. We never take them out of the car. Our motors are, are fantastic. We also never take them out of the car. It, it means that you can actually work on other stuff like your shock tuning or your pills setup, or, or, or then you even have more time than ever to work on your tires. I don't, from my age and my standpoint and all the different things that I've been through, uh, the tire game's easy. I guess I would want to know a little bit more like, or how far or what they meant by that. Like if they mean like, you know, is it the compounds? It's like, you know, you kind of just run the compound that works, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were running silvers and that was the, that was the good tire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, later on this year, we kind of migrated to golds and we stayed on golds. But yeah, as far as like, like the sauce goes or anything like that, I mean, I don't even think you need like a sticky kicks or anything like that. Just some, just some PB blaster or liquid ranch or whatever you like. And I didn't sauce my fronts all day Saturday. Yeah. I only sauce my rear tires. Yeah. I, I, I just, I feel like, uh, sometimes people make it a little more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, there's some stuff you can do to, to you know, you can get that little bit extra that little better or whatever but um you know i i've even kind of stepped back what i was doing with foams you know i i've just been putting that one groove down the center of them and uh running them yeah i just do the cut i stopped punching holes that was annoying yeah i quit doing I that, do that at all now it actually got faster after yeah. i quit doing that yep exactly so, um the the inserts are better than they've ever been and honestly you know um is this a, is this guy local in our oh, track? He's from KC. KC, okay. Yeah. So I mean, for ever our track, I'd be more than help, more than willing to help you with, with a set of tires or show you what I do. But I, I've just been using PB blasters straight, and we or we call it Brian Burton. I call it PB neat, like <laughs> nothing, like neat, right. like nothing, nothing to added. cut it down. Yeah. And usually when it's hotter, you want a, a, a like more on the clear side of a sauce. You don't want something that's going to be because like right now we're trying to cut through the dust and all the other uh, junk that builds up on the track. Yep. And then in the wintertime, you're kind of put put something on that cuts through the slime. You know. Yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, it's like you, you just need to go to like a drier sauce. You know. Yep but for the summer and that's usually like a PB blaster, like liquid branch or something. But 
I think, yeah, I, I think the first year I, that I committed to running J concept stuff a couple of years ago, I struggled at first. And then once you, mm-hmm. once, once I figured it out, PB blaster, heat cycle it, bam. Dude, tires in, 2000, in 2011 or whatever, when I, when I got second at the Novak race, I was put, that was like my first big race ever in a, or in a long time. Yeah. And, um, I, I ran PB blaster, uh, and acetone 50, 50. And that's what we used to use on like indoor hard, um, hard surface damp, uh, go-kart tracks. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty good on Burris tires. You know, back, dude, I mean, to go, go back, you know, yeah, that's the only reason why I ran it, but that worked. It worked really good then. And that was what does 15 years ago. Yeah. God, it feels like forever. <laughs> it feels like forever. It feels like it was yesterday. Welcome but, to old uh, age, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did. I, I ran that then and it was, it worked well. And I, f- I feel like that's what got a lot of people to run PB blaster. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a nut for tire goop. And if, if I'm going to tell you, it doesn't need to be that difficult. Yeah. Trust me. I've tried everything. Yep. Okay. One more Brady popping out. It looks like you might begin a truck. Uh, any tips for building a T6.1? I wonder if he was the one that bought the truck from us Saturday. We, we sold a T6.1 on Saturday. I've never built one, but I mean, the kit setup is really good on that thing. Yeah. Um, I ran, I was all over the place with that thing. Cause when we ran in St. Louis, I'd never driven the truck before. And I put a stand-up transmission in it and it worked good. It worked good in St. Louis with a stand-up transmission mm-hmm. in it. And, um, I ran two rear towers like sandwiched together on the rear of it. So they didn't flex. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. But then later on, I put a delay back back in it. I didn't like a lay down in that car, but you know, just, I just built the kit and run it and see what you think. Um, the stock setup is really good on that car. And the only thing I would maybe do is uh, maybe put some like the aluminum bell crank assembly in it. Just, just to yes. strengthen up the oh, front yeah. of that, you know? Yeah. Cause you got those giant tires that have more leverage on that, on those plastic parts. But, you know, that's something you could wait to kind of upgrade and t- and when you break it. You know, yeah, I mean, this, the plastic ones are strong. I'm a staunch supporter of the metal bell cranks because <laughs> Emerson's really hard on stuff. And that's always on his car, no matter what. That, yeah. the, that and the front bulkhead too, the, 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 or the front arm support, whatever they call that thing. Yeah. It's a bulkhead. Yeah. I have the, on my carpet two wheel here, I have all the J concepts, black stuff on my car. Yep. Uh, and then I put the J concepts towers on this car. So I have like pretty much every J concepts option part on my cool. carpet car, That's except cool. for, except for the shock caps. I don't run aluminum shock no, caps. No, me neither. They don't seal right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's more weight. Plus for some reason, when you go to the, um, with the aluminum caps, I found too, that when you undo, like when you're trying to set your right height mm-hmm. and you back it off, the caps can unscrew themselves. Oh really? I've never had that happen. Yeah, I have. I noticed that my car, my car will bounce when I run any aluminum shot cap. Like it doesn't settle as easy. Huh? That's a pretty decent show. We got all the questions in. I'm glad we got some cause last week we didn't get any. And then I was like, Oh, what do we do? I don't want to like make fun of customers anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
So that, that photo that you've put up on the questions thing for me, yeah. of me or whatever, uh, Brian Burnt texted me and he was like, dude, you have lost weight. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that photo of you. I was like, huh. Well, you I, pretty good. I Googled that. I found that on, on Google. I just thought it was funny because you didn't have a beard. You had like, you had, a the, mustache. you had the mustache. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty great. You Googled it? You uh, yeah. just Googled like Will Brinton? Will Brinton RC the, car. What? Yep. <laughs> That's where I found that picture. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oh, we got one more, one more, one more. Uh, Can you fix bad, a badly glued tire? Is there, so like if you glue a tire and you do it wrong, is there a way to fix it? Um, I've, I've actually cut a tire with a, with either like a razor blade or a pair of scissors and re-glued it. Yep. Same here. Yeah. I, a long, I haven't done that in a long time, but yeah, when you're first, when you're first like, gluing tires you know like i mean you and i probably glued a million tires by now it's like i can glue a set in like five minutes but you know if you're new i still screw up though yeah yeah you don't realize like how fast the glue is gonna dry and how little time you have to set that bead in yeah yeah i I, i've cut like where it's like kind of put it just depends i don't know like how you have it glued or anything but you, you could actually text me on facebook or something if you wanted and i could tell you how I would fix it. But I mean, what I've done before is just cut it like right, like right here. Like if you have like the bead set and it's like on the outside or like on the inside or something, and it's like kind of like wadded up or something. Yeah. I've taken and cut like with the, with the curved scissors or a razor blade or something and cut that just right on where the rim is and just glued it back to the rubber. And I never had had it come off. Cause rubber, Rubber on rubber glue is very, very strong. I've made tires. Yeah, me like too. I, I've, yeah, I've made some pretty badass um, tires. So I've, I've had eight scale tires messed up before. And so you can, if you need a really, really sharp exacto blade, like a brand new one. And I just, I just kind of hold it against my body, my, my big fat belly here. And <laughs> I try to get as close to the, to the rim as possible. And I just kind of cut away at it. And then what I'll do is if you want to save the rim and you want to save the tire, you could probably do it with like a scotch bright pad or emery cloth or whatever, but I, I take a Dremel with the sanding drum on it and I just kind of buzz the rim and then I kind of buzz the tire too and then glue it back together. And it usually glues really well mm-hmm. if I've screwed it up. You ever, you ever like take, take an eight scale tire before and glue it and then you don't get like, it doesn't set right and you get that little bulge. Yeah. I've redone that before. Mm-hmm. So but you basically need to, uh, I've, if you, if like you've gone out and you've driven it and then it gets really dirty, you'd have to clean up the tire and the rim before you try to re-glue it again. Cause dirt does not glue to dirt very well. No. So no, you gotta, you gotta scrape, you gotta get that away. That's why the, the sanding, uh, emery cloth or sandpaper or something to get, to get that yeah. off of there is a really good way to go. I've taken a, a wheel on a Dremel and done it mm-hmm. before too, actually an eight scale. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's good. That's time. I got to go. Uh, I got to go work on the track. Got to go finish her up. The track will be closed all day tomorrow, but, uh, um, it's going to be fresh and new. It'll have a definitely, uh, probably a way more technical feel to it for this coming weekend. So it'll be something different, which is good. That's what we go for. Yeah. So well, Will, a pleasure talking to you as always, even though I haven't, uh, I didn't get to see you in person this weekend. I know, it's been a while. I did get to see you in person a week ago, 
So yeah. So it's good. You yeah. have to come to my place. They're my, my neck of the woods for once. Yeah. I'm going to try. There's a new uh, mountain bike trail in Van Dorn park down there. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to ride. That's like three seconds from my house. I know. I know. I totally know. And yeah, we uh, should go, go there. I should get my bike out. Hey, yeah, you should. Uh, mm-hmm. we could roll two fat guys on bikes. Yeah, cool. Um, we can't forget uh, really quick before we go that, uh, this program, uh, the Hobbyplex show podcast brought to you by pivot lending group and you can find them at pivotlending.com. Make sure you mention us and they will, uh, if you, uh, get going with them for a, a refinance or a home loan, something like that, uh, you can get $500 lending credit towards your closing costs or 0.125 off of your interest rate. It's a pretty awesome deal. And we've had, uh, quite a few takers on that. So, uh, people are out there watching, they're still buying homes and, uh, that's good. Uh, we appreciate them very much as much as we appreciate all of you. And, uh, one more thing before we go, I'm legit going to try to get t-shirts made for Will and I for the oh, show. Yeah. So That'd be cool. I have some ideas. I'm going to go back and forth with Will about it. So, um, yeah. it'll be, there'll be funny shirts. Nothing's nothing too serious. Yeah. And all the proceeds go to us. So, yeah, that's true. Know. They will. Yep. <laughs> something I want to, we will want to do a Patreon, but I don't want to do a Patreon without like something that people can have. Like, what's the point? Yeah, we, want, we, we want you to have a thing, yeah. you know? So bumper sticker, keychain, t-shirt, something. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we're working on it. I think that's going to be something that's, that'll be cool. So it'd be cool to like go to a different track somewhere and see one of our shirts being worn. I think that'd be awesome. Oh man. That'd, that'd make my day. That'd make my week, my year or whatever. So, all right. Ahead. So my, my one last thing. Oh yeah. Go for it. Is if you have time, you know, it only takes a few minutes of your time. Go on to that review section of our oh, yes, uh, podcast please. and, uh, you know, just give us a five-star review. Yeah. I mean, give us higher. Uh, really all that. we want. It's all I need. It's yeah. that five-star review, baby. Exactly. So we could start reaching some more people and, and some more people listen to our podcast. It's all we want. We should have uh, Richard overlay like that Arms of the Angels song. I can sing it. I can sing. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Okay, we better go for real this time. See you on the flip-flop.